uh, Sandra and I actually uh, were on a cruise, sailing around the Caribbean. So that was kind of nice, except, prayer request for you all, on the Monday, first day of our cruise, we got a message that Sandra's brother had passed away in Australia. And uh, to add complications, it was an unexpected thing. He has no other living relatives in Australia. No will. Nothing. So she spent the rest of the week calling Australia, calling England, calling Australia, calling England, trying to get that sorted out, as well as, you know, dealing with the difficulty of, of her brother passing. But God, you know, man, God works in, in miraculous ways sometimes. So I'm sitting on the ship. I've got my phone on airplane mode in the middle of the Caribbean, not the Caribbean, the Gulf of Mexico, so way away from a signal, and I see a call from my daughter. It's like, what? How is that getting through? Which kind of told me, you know, right away, it's like something not good has happened. And uh, eventually managed to contact her. And I thought, wow, that was, that was the hand of God right there. Because Sandra had to then call her parents and tell them. So very difficult. But God's hand was in it. And, and so just keep her family in your prayers, please. That's, that's very difficult. Um, the smart... Now, here's the good thing about the cruise. I got on the scales this morning. While I was on that cruise, this is, this is hard to believe, I actually lost a bunch of weight. I found it on the way off the ship again. <laughs> and, and thank you, God, there was a blessing of some extra weight, too. And I got on the scale this morning. If that scale could speak, it would have said, get off. <laughs> so, yeah. So, new diet starting this morning. So, talk about this morning. I've got a prop for you. I saw bricks. Bricks on the podium. I'm not even going to ask Chris what that was about. If he can have bricks, I can have a big sign. I'll teach him. I've got a passage of scripture I want to share with you this morning. It's going to be a theme for the rest of the year. Which is why I want to kind of put it up here so that, so that it's front and center right at the get-go here. Everybody can see it. We're not going to dive into it too deeply this morning, but I want to introduce it to you and kind of talk about a little bit about where we're going for the rest of the year. Ooh. Now, I don't know how well you can read that. Oh, what did I do? Oh, it slipped down. I need an assistant. May I have an assistant, please? They have assistants on TV. It's crooked now, isn't it? See, I need Hector because that'll drive him nuts. <laughs> can you see it? You can't see it, can you? It's on the bulletin. Of course it's on the bulletin. All right, so this morning I want to briefly introduce you to this passage of Scripture. It's going to be our overarching theme for the, re the remainder of the year. 
And then I want to share with you um, some building blocks. We're starting a series called Building Blocks that I believe are absolutely critical to our faith walk. So here's the scripture, 2 Thessalonians 1, oh, yeah, 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. And this red part is the part I really want you to, to kind of get into. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ. So just kind of, just want to keep that there. We'll post this somewhere around the church. We might have it in in various places. Now before we get into that, uh, I want to share with you some valuable life lessons that I learned when I used to get my hands dirty for a living. Now, some of you know this, some of you don't. This is actually the third career of my life. I started out as a bricklayer. And then, once I figured that that was hard work, I went back to school and got into construction engineering and then, and then into pastoring. But back in the days when, when I was... And, and I learned lots of good, valuable life lessons from all of, all of those things. And I want to share with you some life lessons I learned from back in my days of laying bricks. So, I remember when I was just 16. 16, August 29th, September 4th, first day of my bricklaying apprenticeship, four-year apprenticeship. And I remember, I can still remember the first day that I got onto a job site. And, um, you know, you're green. You don't know anything. And what, what, how it works over in England is the bricklayers are the kings of the construction industry because everything is made out of brick and block. It, that's what the structure is. It's not wood. So it takes four years to train you to do that. But day one, they put you with a gang. They call it a gang. There's three bricklayers, usually a, a laborer, and sometimes they'll have an apprentice. And So they put me with this gang. But day one, I don't know how to lay bricks, so they give you to the laborer. Now, the laborers absolutely love these first-year bricklaying apprentices because they want to see what you're made of. They know that in just a few weeks' time, you'll be telling them what to do, but they got you right now. And they want to see what you're made of and, and, and if you're going to make it. So, so they're going to push you. And I remember that very first morning... The house had been built up about five feet. There was a scaffolding around it, and there was a couple of scaffold planks that went up onto the scaffolding, and the laborer took me over to a wheelbarrow, not one of your little garden wheelbarrows, a real wheelbarrow, and, and boy, where I come from in England, boy, put some bricks in there, boy, and put them on the scaffold. So, you know, you put 10, 12, 13 bricks. Put some bricks in there and put them on the scaffold. 14, 15, 16. Put some bricks in there. So you've got about 30 or 40 bricks in this thing. <laughs> and now you've got to get up this scaffold plank with the wheelbarrow. You never pushed a wheelbarrow before and your legs are going. And I got up there and start putting the bricks out for the bricklayers to get off. Put some bricks in the wheelbarrow and get them up on the scaffold. And that's your morning. 
And, and I can remember at 10 o'clock, tea time, coffee time over here, tea time in England, 10 o'clock, we started at 8, 10 o'clock, thinking, I've done more work than I've ever done in a whole day, and it's only 10 o'clock. But I loved it. I was exhilarated by this idea of, wow, we just did all this work, and the day has just started. I mean, I was dying come the end of the day. (laughs) The lesson that I learned right away from that, success takes hard work and endurance. If you want to succeed at something, it's going to take hard work and it's going to take endurance. It doesn't come easy. A couple of years later, literally two years later, I've been halfway through my bricklaying apprenticeship. I'm now 18. I am an expert in everything, as 18-year-olds often are. And I know more than these other bricklayers that are trying to teach me how to do this stuff because they just haven't thought about it from a new, fresh perspective like me. And I've been given the responsibility, I've shared this story with with you many years ago, I've been given the responsibility of building a wall in between one house and another house. They were side by side and there was a wall going to go across in between. It's about four and a half, five feet wide, had to be six feet high. Four inch concrete blocks, not the kind of blocks you have here. These are solid concrete blocks. They're not too, too bad because we have much bigger ones. They're about... uh, 40 or 50 pounds each. So I start building this wall. Now they teach you, these people that don't know what they're talking about, that you cannot go too fast and you cannot go too high. It just won't work because these blocks are so heavy and if they've got a little bit of water in them, you start off, it's okay, but by the time you get to this height, that amount of weight on the mortar in the bottom, the mortar's just getting squished out of there. But I wanted to get this wall finished. I'm not building this halfway up. We're, it's only going to be six feet high. I can reach up there. We're going to finish this wall. So I'm working away. I cut the wall. Literally the very last block. I get the last block. I put it in position. And the whole wall fell. Boom. It's, it's over, over a thousand pounds of blocks. And boom. The laborer is just doubled over laughing. I mean, this is the greatest thing he's ever seen. And I'm thinking, all of that work, you know? Man, I just wanted to get the job done, go, good, good job, and boom. Lesson number two. If you rush it and don't heed the advice of those who know better, who have more experience than you, all of your hard work is going to come crashing down. Short form, short form of that, don't rush and listen to those who know. Now the next lesson, the third lesson, actually comes from that same experience. Now here's the thing. The building blocks were good. The foundation was good. The work ethic was good. But it all came tumbling down. And part of the reason that it came tumbling down wasn't just my idiotic desire to get it done. It wasn't tied in to the buildings on either side. It wasn't bonded, or as as we called it, into those buildings. It was like a stand-alone work, even though it was part of something bigger. And it didn't stand. 
So lesson number three, 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 here's me English. For your work to stand the test, even if the foundation is good, even if the building blocks are good, even if the work ethic is good, for your work to stand the test, it must be tied to something stronger, something bigger. Good work is anchored. It's not standalone. Now, all three of these lessons, if you will, that I learned while bricklaying, can be applied to our spiritual life. And I'm going to apply them to this passage of of Scripture, our, our, our faith walk. If you want to get something done, if you want to do something for God, you have to join Him in His work. And we are called to join God in His work. So let me, let me kind of go back over this again. I want to read this often. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. So we keep on praying for you. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I left out something that was kind of obvious. Jesus is the foundation of everything that we do. This is all made possible because of the grace of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. I didn't put that in there because for me, if, if you don't get that as a Christian, you know, that's kind of like a duh. That's the starting point, right? Jesus is the foundation. Everything is built on him. The ability to live a life worthy of his call comes from him. The power to accomplish all the things that your faith might inspire you to do comes from him. To live in such a manner that Christ's name is honored is all made possible through the grace of Jesus Christ. He is the beginning. He is the end. It's, it's a wonderful... It's, mind-bending. I like the word mind-bending. There's this concept that we are free. And yet, we are bound by God's divine will. We're free to choose. To choose Christ... Or to reject Christ. We're free to obey Christ or disobey Christ. We're free to live for Christ or not live for Christ. It's our choice. And yet, we are never outside of the Lord's divine will. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. I love the way that it's put in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith... And what he's saying is, since we are surrounded by so many who have chosen to live a life of faith, the example of this faithfulness is all around us. Because of that, let us let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance. Let us, let us, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So it's kind of neat. We do the work. 
We run the race, but God set the race. We don't have to start the race. We don't have to engage in the race. The, 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 the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us, run this race. But it's God's race. He has set the race. He is the beginning. He is at the end. The power to run the race comes from him. In verse 2 it says, we do this, run this race, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So we're going to delve into this a little bit deeper as we go into this year. But your faith is initiated by Jesus and perfected by Jesus. But you can choose not to go on a faith journey. Which is a waste of faith. Later. So here's the foundation. Now I want to apply these lessons from the bricklayer to these, these scriptures here. So lesson one was, if you want to get something done, it's going to take hard work. You're going to have to push yourself. Success takes hard work and endurance. And I see that in the scripture here in this red portion. May he give you the power. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. He gives you the power, but you still have to do the work. Faith doesn't simply mean trust that God is going to do it. I'll get some people come into my office sometimes, you know, they've got something going on in their life and, and they want to live in faith and they'll say words like that. Well, I believe God's going to do it. And my question to them is, is pretty much always the same. How's God going to do it? Is he just going to do it or is he going to do it through you? Are you part of this process? Because that's what it is. To live in faith, it's about rolling up your sleeves, trusting in God, and getting to work. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. That means we don't compromise when it's easier to compromise than not. We do what is right when we can get away with doing what is wrong. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and we live for him, whether anyone's looking or not. We walk the walk and we talk the talk. It means that we do the work, all the work that God has set before us. And we keep on doing it. I'm going a little rabbit trail here. Sometimes people will say, I'm going to take a break, Pastor Mike. I've been doing this ministry for, for a number of years. I'm going to take a break. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. God set it up with the Sabbath for us to take a break. It's a, it's a scriptural principle that we have a rest, that we take a break. But what we don't do is I'm going to take a break because I've been doing this for so long and I'm tired of doing it and I see so many people not doing anything. Oh, okay, so you're taking a break because they're not actively serving the Lord. So the question that comes to my mind immediately is then why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing it for the Lord or are you doing it for some other reason? Because if you're doing it for the Lord, it really doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter whether 60% of the church only show up on Sundays and don't ever do anything. That's their loss. 
All that matters is that you do what God has called you to do and you keep on doing what God has called you to do until he tells you to do something else. And then you do that. All right, off my soapbox. So if I was to reword rule number one for faith, it would be faith takes hard work and endurance. It's not just a God will do it. Faith takes hard work and endurance. So lesson number two, if you rush it and don't heed the advice of those who know better and have experience that you don't have, all your hard work is going to come crashing down. Abbreviated, don't rush, listen to those who know. So here, so we keep on praying. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Now what do you notice in there? We keep on praying. To our God. There's an outside link. It's not just about me. There's something else. There is a humility to living a life of faith. Before rushing ahead and doing it our way, we stop. We listen. First thing we do, we pray. God, is this a work from you or is this a work from me? You see, you can do a work for the Lord that is not of the Lord. And you think you're doing the right thing, but it's not the right thing because it's not of the Lord. Oh, this is very holy, it's very godly, but it's going to come tumbling down. So you begin with prayer. Second, go to the Word. should be part of your daily life anyway. Does this match with, does it violate any scriptural principles? And then third, we listen to the Lord via the great cloud of witnesses that he has surrounded us with. We need to heed the advice and the wisdom of those the Lord has surrounded us with. Not that they're infallible. We all make mistakes, right? Sometimes we think we're reading God and we're not really reading God. And sometimes it's a little bit self-motivated rather than than God-motivated. But a life of faith is one that is lived within the wisdom of those that the Lord has surrounded us with. And you look to those people who you see living a life of faith. Their number one thing when they get out of bed in the morning is, what has God called me to do today? Their character shows that they're living a life of faith. They're solid. I always get worried when people, especially new people, come into the church, gung-ho, good hearts and everything, and they want to change everything. Oh, we should be doing this. Oh, we should be doing that. What about this? What about that? I want to start this ministry. I want to start that ministry. Like, whoa. We weren't all sitting here waiting for you. God may have begun to work before you walked in the door. <laughs> you, 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 there's no substitute for time. And I know, I think I've popped a few bubbles, and I don't mean to when people have come to me all enthusiastic, and I've just said, wait. Get settled in, get to know us, and then we'll see where God leads that. Maybe that is from God. 
But if it's from God, he's going to tell me, he's going to tell the others here that, that are involved, and, and we'll all be on the same page. But take the time to be grounded in God's truth through prayer, the word, and listen to those who know him and serve him. Short form on this one, stop, drop, and pray. Seek guidance in the word and the wisdom of God's people. All right, lesson number three from a spiritual perspective. What was number three? For your work to stand the test, even if the foundation is good, it must be tied to something stronger. It's not a standalone work, which kind of ties in with, with the last one. And here, I kind of see that in this part here. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. The Lord, the Lord is not looking to join us in our work. I'm going to do a work for God. I'm going to pray and ask him to, to become part of the work I'm going to do for him. He's not looking to join us in our work, even if we think that work is for him. He's looking for us to join him in his work. The work that you do must be tied in to the work that God has been doing for thousands of years since the beginning. What's it say in Revelation? The lamb was slain before creation. Before creation ever started. This is, can't get my head around this one. Before creation was ever started, God had already begun the work of reconciliation for his people. Isn't that weird? It's like, what's that all about, God? We can't understand his way. But he's looking for people to join him in his work. You know, with that wall that I built that fell over, if I had taken the time, actually if the people who had built the wall before had taken the time to leave, there's a section where a block slots in so that this work is tied to that work. If that had been there, I could have rushed all the way through that whole thing, got it up to six feet, may not have looked that good, but it wouldn't have fallen down because it was tied to something bigger. What is the greater work of the Lord? It's the work that he's doing in and through his body, the church. He's not looking for mavericks. He's not looking for standalone work. It's always to be done within the wider scope of the work he is doing. We join him in his work. So if I'm reworking that, rewording that lesson three, your work will stand the test of time only if it is part of the bigger work that Jesus is already doing through his body. Short form, good work is anchored in the bigger work of Jesus. All right. Oh, and we're a watch. Yeah, that's a clock there. So why am I sharing this with you? You're all sitting there wondering. I'm glad you asked that question, actually. I heard something this week on the cruise that really stuck with me. This wasn't going to be this morning's message. I had something else. When Kayla asked me what we're doing this morning, I said, prayer. So, you know, get your worship all around prayer. Fortunately, she ignored me. But <laughs> I heard something on the cruise that, that just stuck with me. So we're having dinner in the dining room, and, and there's always three different people assigned to your table. They have different duties, and they have long names that don't have any vowels. 
I couldn't catch any of their names this time. I try to catch their names because I like to talk to them. I like to engage them in conversation. Where are you from? You know, what could you, blah, 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 blah. And one of the guys, we're sitting down for dinner. And uh, I can't remember if it was Sandra or whether it was me. I asked him, you know, how was your day? And he said, every day is the same day. I thought, what? Every day is the same day. I thought, wow, this guy is sailing around to all of these exotic places. They go out to Bermuda, the Bahamas, down to Mexico and other places. He's mixing with people from all over the world. The staff on the ship, there's nobody from Louisville. (laughs) They're all from all kinds of exotic places. And I'm thinking he's working with all these people from different cultures. And it's such a, a rich mixture of life sailing around here. But for him, every day is the same day. It just struck me. And then one day, one of the days I complimented him on his work. He did something. His response, it's what we do. Wow. And I get it. I get it. I mean, we all live the same day to some degree, right? We get up in the morning, we go to work, we do our thing, we go to bed, we get up in the morning, we do our work, we go to bed. I mean, and some people like that. Some people love the security of their routine. And and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I'm thinking if you're living in that environment on a cruise ship with all of those different people and your life is every day is the same day, something is wrong. Something is wrong in the core. You're missing something. I don't want to live And every day is the same day life. Even if every day is the same day. I want to be able to find something in that day that warms my heart. That stirs my soul. That makes me say at the end of the day, wow, God. Wow. There's a life that God has for each and every one of us. That is so much higher than the life that we are living No matter how faithful you are, no matter how long you've been a Christian, God still has something better for you. He still wants to take it to the next level. The the Lord didn't put us here simply to go through the motions. He put us here for a purpose. He put us here to join Him in His work. His life changing work. You can't get to the end of the day and feel like it's just another day if you've been involved in life change in somebody's life. You're going to go to bed and you're going to be thinking about that. Wow. Thank you, God. Life change for the better. And when you're engaged in the life changing work of the Lord, there's a vibrancy to your life. (laughs) And it doesn't matter. It, It doesn't matter whether you're serving food to overindulged fat people on a cruise, and there were lots of us, <laughs> or serving soup in a 
soup kitchen downtown, teaching kids every day at school, laying bricks, working at the bank, sweeping the streets. It doesn't matter. God can use anyone, anywhere, at any time. And when you join the Lord in his life-changing work, your life is worth living, regardless of what's going on. So let me ask you a question as I bring this to a close. What if God wanted to bring this scripture to life in your life this year? What if he wanted to give you a year of living in faith like none you have experienced before? Would you be up for it? Would you be up for it? Do you think he could do it? That's the real question. You see, more times our lack of faith, when we don't live the life that God is calling us to do, is not because we don't have faith in us, it's because we don't have faith in him. We're not 100% convinced that he is going to do it. So here's the real question. Would you be willing to explore it? I hope so. Because this is where we're going this year. We're entering into a phase, and we're still working on it, the elders and myself, called the Year of Living in Faith. Where we're going to encourage and help each and every one here, on the wider scale, on the internet, those who watch online, as they, uh, we're going to help them find ways to experience God at new levels this year. So I want you to be praying about that for yourself, for us, as we explore this. And it's all a work in progress, as am I and as am you. Part one, building blocks. That's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. We keep on praying for you. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. I pray he would give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our Lord, a God, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. More on that in the coming weeks. I'm going to switch gears here for a moment. Over the Christmas, we had a challenge called the joy of giving. Somebody donated a sum of money and said, go give the money away and make people happy. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, I want to give some people opportunity just to share a little bit of, of that joy of giving and what it meant to them. So Becky, where are you? Come on up, girl. Becky loves doing this stuff. You look so nervous. I am going to ask questions afterwards, and we're going to rate it one out of ten. Okay. Yeah. So feel at ease. Hello. There you go. So Hector gave me this, and you are so lucky I didn't turn it on with the singing, because you would have had a solo, and it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> 
But, um, okay, so last time I, I talked to you, it was, you know, about going out and touching people and kind of paying it forward. And so the following week, I think it was the following week, I had, and I'm going to do this every year now, okay? I told my grandkids, I'm going to do this. This is going to be our tradition um, at Christmas. So I said, um, our pastor at the church has challenged us. You know, I took $50 of that money, and so then I donated 50 of my own. I told my grandkids, okay, so we have $100 to, to you know. They were excited. They thought I was going to spend $100 on them. <laughs> and so I said, no, this is for other people. We are going to help other people, and I want you to be a part of it with me. So we went up to, so I took three envelopes, and I put 40 in one of them, 20, and then 10. And didn't mark anything on them. And so the kids didn't know the value, you know, how much was in it. So I said, we're going to go up to Walmart. We're going to hand out these envelopes, okay, um, as a gift from us, from the church, from God, to help them out. So we go up to Walmart, and they're as nervous as I am right now. Um, they're, they're nervous. And uh, I said, so you have to listen to God, and you have to scope out who you want to give an envelope to. So we're going through, and I had shopping to do anyway, so I said, let's get my stuff, and we'll just go through the church, or the church, the store. So Carly is seven, and she is like me most of the time where I can meet people anywhere. So she takes the first envelope. I handed them out. So we saw this couple. It was a um, husband and wife with a little girl, and... Um, Carson is the one. He's um, going to be going to be twelve, and he said, "Grandma, I want to give to that cup, you know, that family." And he was so afraid you know, when I'm pushing him and pushing him, so afraid to do it. So Carly steps up, "Okay, Grandma, I got this one." So and I'm like, "I can't believe you're talking to me this way." She was just so you know rambunctious and and excited. So she goes up and she says, um, "I I have a gift for you um, today." Um, will you take it? So the guy takes the envelope and the, gives it to his wife. The wife opens it, and it's $20. And they're like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. You know, and so Carly's really happy and everything. Um, Carson then, we're looking all around, and he decides, okay, gra uh, Grandma, I think I want to give to an older person like yourself. Okay, a grandma, right? <laughs> yeah, how old do you think I am? No, um... So I said, okay, fine, we'll look around. So he got nervous. We saw a couple of elderly women like me, <laughs> and he wouldn't do it. So then he's getting anxious, you know, like, I got this envelope in my hand. I want to give it away. I said, well, if we're not going to find anybody else, I see a, an older gentleman over there. He looks like a grandpa. Go ahead and give it to him. Very good lesson that just God blessed me with as well, because Carson went up to him and said, I have something for you. So he didn't say, like Carly did, he didn't say, this is a gift for you today, or whatever, right? He said, I have something for you. And the elderly man said, no, 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 I'm not interested. And oh my gosh, Carson's face went from this to this. And so then I was like panicking. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do now, God, you know? And so I right away 
you know, Holy Spirit probably said, no, 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 that's not a failure. That's a success as well. And you have to encourage him. So I lifted him up. I said, don't even worry about it. I said, you know what? There are people in this world that are not going to, you know, accept what you want to give them. But I think it's the way that you said it as well. You just said you had a gift. So you're going to explain it the next time. So we go around the corner and luckily... There was um, an elderly lady in a wheelchair that was in one of the lanes. And so Carson goes up to her and says, I want to give you a gift today. And she goes, no habla ingles. <laughs> and luckily, my Spanish came out a little bit. <laughs> and I told this lady that this is a gift for you. You know, no, no, no. It's tu dinero. Tu, you know, something for you. Okay? So... She goes, she's looking, and because at first she said, no tengo dinero, no mas pero, you know, what I have. Like, what, you know, the things I have is all I have money for. I said, no, 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 this is a gift for you. So he hands her the envelope, and she opens it up, and she starts <laughs> crying. And so we're in, the, we're in this, you know, um, she, she's crying. I'm looking at Carson. He's got tears in his eyes. I'm trying not to cry. And I, I, you know, I said, we just wanted to bless you. She asked for a hug in the wheelchair from Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Oh my gosh, that's my son. Um, from, see, I'm getting all nervous. From Carson. He goes up, gives her a hug. And in Spanish, she's, you know, you know, God bless and all that. And I just was amazed at that. And I loved it. And then it's like, okay, Grandma, you have an envelope. So we ended up giving it to a lady that was, you know, uh, checking out with us. And uh, she just loved the concept. And she uh, thanked us and said, I'm glad you're doing this because I uh, can tell these are your grandkids. And, you know, I mean, so she praised me as well, which was really nice to lift me up on what I was doing. So that's, okay, so I had $70 out of my 100 we go up to, and this is what I love also, because it's teaching my grandchildren. We go up to the cash register, and my grandson notices that an elderly man, more elderly than me, <laughs> is at the register trying to check out, but his cards weren't working. So he says, Grandma, I know you have money left. Go help him. <laughs> so I go, and, and I said, can I just please use my card? I don't want you to mess with yours. Let's get this done. So... He, it was only like ten dollars. Okay, so I put it in, paid for his stuff, and he just thanked us, you know, and was felt. He, he even said, I, "I feel blessed." I'm like, "I'm glad," because that's what we're trying to do. So then I'm like, "Okay, now we're, we got twenty left." So we went to McDonald's, and I said, "Now we've worked really hard. Let's go get something to eat." And then I did the pay it forward thing at the McDonald's checkout, and the guy behind us did this big wave in the car, and boy, the kids were excited to look back and see him wave at that thank you for us paying for his meal. So just wanted to share. Thank you so much. God's working in my life for sure. Thank you. So that's that principle that you see right here. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with him. Hector is going to close us out. But I think we have time for one more here. Sure. Yeah. No, you got a good story. All right, I'll give a story. So this holiday, sounds like him. I took my family and we went on a vacation. And uh, I'll be honest with you. Being gone during Christmas was tough because you're used to getting up and seeing a Christmas tree and 
But it was also unique because I had my family, my, both my daughters, my wife, and my son-in-law, and we got to spend Christmas elsewhere. And it was special because we were the only ones in a foreign country, and we had each other, and it was really cool. Plus, we got to miss all the cold that you all experienced right before that, freezing conditions, etc. On our way back home, um, unfortunately, we, uh, it took a little bit to get home because of all the canceled flights. So we finally made it in on the 26th, and lo and behold, it's always, Dad, Dad, we just now got the luggage, you go get the car, come back to the terminal, come pick us up. And uh, if you know, you always, Dad always has all the $1 bills to get people change, right? So I wait at the terminal, and here comes uh, North Express parking. Lady comes in, grabs my bags, takes them in, and starts, uh, I start talking to her, just me and her, it's kind of dead. And uh, ask her, hey, how, how was your Christmas? And all of a sudden, I heard an impactful story of how important it was to her. She goes, you know what? I, I got up uh, Sunday morning because I had to come to work. And I worked just about every day driving this bus. And it was amazing because after that, I couldn't find a church that was open on Christmas Day. And I finally went into a church that had actually a service in the afternoon. And I went in, and I was so blessed. So we started having this conversation that she hadn't been in church in a long time. And she just continued to say how important it was to her and how it just lit up her life. And here I am just listening to her and I'm probing and we're asking questions where she got away from the Lord for a long time. And um, she was just so excited about that, that, that sermon uh, on Christmas Day and that she had the privilege and so right after that, I reach in my pocket, and all I have is a couple of 20s and a 50. She gets up as soon as she turns off the van and grabs my luggage. And I said, no, I'll get that. And by the time I know it, she's right in front of my car. And I, I had a 50 and two 20s. I gave her a 50, and she walked away. And then all of a sudden, she turned around. She goes, this is a 50. I said, you continue to bless me with the story and you continue to bless those that you encountered today with that story about how Jesus worked in your heart on the sermon that you got to go to on Christmas morning, a day after, tomorrow, this afternoon, etc. And I just pray that that $50 blesses you. And she goes back to her van and she just starts bawling. And I'm sitting in the car saying, would you get out of my way so I can go pick up my kids now? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times... We think about blessings that we receive. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you can bless somebody with your talents, your gifts, and just your love, and maybe that's a food tray to somebody that needs it, uh, whatever, it's more of a blessing for you when you're the giver instead of the recipient. So that was a valuable lesson, and I just thank God for it. So I'm going to ask the, are we, I'm going to ask the uh, ushers to come on up.